Hello, I'm Howard Phillips Lovecraft, and despite all my warning, you're listening to Microphones of Madness. Hey, everybody. Shit. Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. We are live, as you can tell by all the technical difficulties. And the butt eating. And the, and the butt eating. Uh, let's see. It is July the 16th, 2016. Uh, today, we are going to be revisiting Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, but first, I think there was a, there's a couple things that we wanted to get out of the way. First off, Kim's not with us tonight uh, because it is her birthday. So happy birthday to Kim. Also, another shitty week as an asshole in a truck drove through a bunch of people during Bastille Day celebrations. Stop fucking killing people, you cock splats. Um, let's see. We also wanted to give a special Microphones of Madness shout out uh, to, and forgive me if I mangle your name. Uh, Guy Reeson sent us a letter after uh, the Urban the Temples of Cthulhu read through <laughs> and discussion. And so we want to give him a special shout out for saying hi and uh, getting in touch with us. Right. And he mentioned that his, if you liked his story in Urban Temples of Cthulhu, yep. he has stories coming out in a couple more anthologies. And mm-hmm. hopefully. When he listens to this, he'll drop us the names of those anthologies. If he can. And then, yeah, that's true. And uh, we'll let you all know where else he's appearing. Because we we enjoy having friends of the show. That's right. And and we're sorry your favorite podcaster is not on the air today. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Now I get to be the new second fiddle. Yeah, you're second fiddle now. Uh, Let's see. What else? Uh, Steve, you had something you wanted to cover before we got into the main topic. Um, Yeah. I just don't know how to brace into it. So I'm just going to go into it. Uh, There is an anthology coming up um, called Heroes of Red Hook. Is that what it's called? Uh, I believe so. I believe that's what it's called. And the the general gist of it is obviously, if you've if you've been listening to our show, you know how we feel about Red Hook. It's the greatest short story ever written in the Bizarro world. <laughs> anyway, uh, this anthology purports to sh- to tell stories from that era. 20s um, from the residents of Red Hook, the minority perspective, which is admirable. And I would get behind it 100%, except for the one fact that there's only one person of color on the author list. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much everybody is white. There's, there's a nice balance between men and women. But they're all white, except for the, the editor, who is who is uh, not white. He's 
um, he's Latino, if memory serves. Anyway, I am sure, and I've seen the writer list, and a lot of these guys are top-notch writers. So, and I'm sure that they are perfectly capable of writing stories from a perspective that is not their own, because they are top-notch writers. And, then, I, and they'll probably be good stories. Yeah, I have no, I have no problem with, with doing that. I have no problem with an anthology of stories from minority points of view, mm -hmm. people of color, women, etc., religion, whatever. What I take issue with is all white guys and gals, and that possibly the effort could have been made to seek out people like Victor Lavelle, who's already written a great story about Red Hook. Mm -hmm. from the perspective of of uh, a black guy right or someone like uh Balagan Ojitade who is very very capable of writing horror who is not white or no and, uh, and a fan both fantastic guys yeah yeah and and talented writers well actually all three you know you mentioned Victor Laval as well right exactly and and just to, to put your money where your mouth is with the theme of the anthology and seek out uh, writers who aren't the usual suspects, who are good, who can write good horror stories from a non-white perspective. That's mm -hmm. all. That's that's all. That's um, my two cents. Yeah, just just to carry on, you know, and and not a, not a criticism of the the author list or or the subject matter, but you know, I thought I thought some of the push last week was was poorly timed. Yeah, that's true as well. And you know, I, I've noticed they they've been quiet this week, so you know, I don't know what what happened behind the scenes, but uh, yeah, it just it just kind of struck struck a bad chord with me seeing all, all seeing it promoted that way in light of everything that happened last week um yeah so now that we've lost the two or three people who actually listen to the show <laughs> um yeah so here we are legends of tomorrow uh the season finale was what february March? It was a while. I think it was in March. Yeah. And uh, you went back through the previous episode that we did when uh, two episodes into the season. I did. I, I, listened, I listened to that, and I actually watched a bunch of the episodes, um, earlier episodes, mm -hmm. just to get it fresh in my mind. Because if you remember, it was a very short season. What was like 10 episodes? Yeah, it, it came in. It came in, uh, I believe they started it in January. Yeah, it was a, it was a mid season mm -hmm. um, replacement mid season show. premiere. Yeah, and they 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 timed the episode so that all three DC series ended within two weeks of each other. Right, and they had a huge break in the middle of it. Two big breaks, right? That one um, only had one break. No, that that one only had one break because because it started mid season. Right. It had the break during uh, when all the other shows had a break. I think they, they bled over one episode into like Flash and Arrows 
uh, second half break because they do a break. They do three breaks every season. They do one halfway through the first part. They do a midseason, and then they do one uh, in the second half. So you you end up getting like three partial season finales, <laughs> right? Two cliffhangers and a resolution. Mm-hmm. So to me, yeah. So I I went back and watched the first uh, six or seven episodes. Okay, cool. Yeah, there was only thirteen, so <laughs> yeah, about half. But I did go back and listen to us, and I will and say how is how. Ha- this, this is what I want to know, and I don't know if anybody else wants to know. But <laughs> what was our accuracy rate on our predictions? Um, it was actually pretty good. Um, maybe the details were off, but mm-hmm. broad strokes, we were pretty good. Okay. Um, we predicted that there would be a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was going to be smart, and it turned out to be not smart. There right. was Rory. Rory, he waved. Mm-hmm. Which, the big surprise with Rory that we did not predict is that he and Kronos were the same person. Right. That was that was a big reveal. Right, and that's not something you could have predicted after the pilot. Well, no. And and that's also it's, it's an unusual thing to do when you're playing with time like that. You can do that. But it's not something that uh, happens very often, right? <coughs> uh, we did. We predicted there would be romance. Hmm. I don't think we predicted the exact romance, right? Um. There was a little hint of a romance, and I think the one we actually predicted was uh, Sarah and Leonard. And that was kind of a. That was more. And that was more of a throwaway. Kind of moment. Yeah, that was like he liked her and she was just not into him. <laughs> right. And but she went with it. Yeah, and I don't think he really well, he's smart, he didn't really care either way. Right. But it his I think that his feelings for her paved the way for his story arc, his character arc. Mm-hmm. Um, because he ended up being one of the most important cogs in the wheel. Yep. Yep. And, uh, okay. So now now that we're on to this big reveal, and this is a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, God, you should have seen it by now. Yeah, it's, um, been, it's been a while. Captain Cold, Leonard Snart, dies in the episode before the finale. But not only does he die, he sacrifices. He himself. sacrifices himself. Um, so that Ray Palmer doesn't have to. Well, no, Rory was going to sacrifice himself because he likes Ray Palmer and didn't think Ray Palmer should die. And then Captain Cold comes in and he's like, no, Rory, you're not going to do it. Knocks Rory out. It takes his place. And, you know, then we get to the moment of who said it better. Was it Wentworth Miller 
or was it uh shit i forgot his name ultron um fuck <laughs> help me out here man <laughs> i don't know what you're getting at there are no strings on me oh um yeah um the guy from all the 80s movies right and and, and the blacklist and i've completely forgotten his name wow i'll remember it halfway through the show but anyway, yeah, who who said it better while you're Google searching? Oh, well, I mean, Jesus Christ. Avengers was such a horrible, Ultron was such a horrible uh, movie. And I had an admitted man crush on Wentworth Miller, so I'm going with Wentworth Miller. There, there are no strings on me. Boom. James Spader. James Spader. Jesus. I didn't even really get to forget to the Google part. I just had to disconnect my brain for a second. Yeah. And and we've lost all of our geek cred right there. Can't remember James fucking Spader. Um Yeah, so the villain of you, you had that. You had um you had that big that big surprise death. You know, we knew somebody was gonna die. Well, somebody besides Carter who came back. Right, right. They, they, well, that's yeah, you can kill the guy that reincarnates as much as you want, but it wasn't a reincarnation that came back, it was the wasn't it the dead body that they had? No, it was a reincarnation, they got they got his future incarnation because they got they got the incarnation that was running around in 2166. So yeah, I mean we got it. We got a lot of interesting moments over the show. Um, we saw Kendra meet at least one of her past selves. Yeah. Uh, we got to see, and this was one of the big surprises, and probably one of the best episodes was an appearance by Jonah Hex. Well, how was that um, a surprise? That was admirable. well. It was. It was. <laughs> that was like right. It was a surprise, though, because it was good. And, you know, the last time we saw Jonah Hex was that awful Josh Brolin movie. And, uh, you know, the gentleman they had playing Hex, he did a good job. The episode well, was a decent episode. Yeah, it wasn't the best of them, but it was a good episode. Mm-hmm. There weren't any horrible or bad episodes. Right. But some were better than others. Right, some were some were better than others. I'll, I'll give you that. Well, I mean, that's anything. And it's it's. I think it's when they focused on certain characters, like right. pretty much any episode where Sarah was a main character in the arc, ended up being a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Like the um, the horror episode they did in the in the fifties. <laughs> uh, Sarah had a very strong presence in that episode. And it was right. a, a solid episode. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jack the had a that, strong show. Twenty sixty six was that? Oh, the uh, the one with um, John Diggle Jr. Yeah, yeah, Connor the Hawk. Connor Hawk episode. That was a really good episode as well. Well, I, I couldn't tell whether that was a CG beard 
Um, uh, no. Holly, or if that was just a. Uh, that was. Stick a beard on him. That was uh, mostly Stephen Amell's beard. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, he posted pictures of it uh, on his feed. He they they actually let him grow the goatee partially. I think they added some extensions, but a lot of that was his actual hair, his actual beard. He's been from from what I understand. From what I understand, um, he walks onto set when they start filming every season with a goatee. And the producers and director make him shave it off. <laughs> and another great thing about that episode was the nod to um, the Dark Knight Returns with Ollie with one arm. Right. Yeah, one arm. One of the highlights of the Dark Knight Returns is that that super left Ollie mm-hmm. <laughs> using his uh, teeth to pull back the bowstring. While hanging upside down, right, and shot, and yet yelling at people, <laughs> right, yeah, he, Ali becomes a curmudgeonly old man. But yeah, that was that was one of the great shout outs to to Frank Miller. Uh, probably one of the best moments in The Dark Knight Returns. In all of Frank Miller, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll give you that one. Uh, let's see. We also had um, uh, we had the the big bad of the season was killed not once but three times. Yes, simultaneously. Now that's actually funny because I wanted to, to talk about that. Uh, not that he was killed three times, but the coordination of the team mm-hmm. when when we last visited this, they were completely in disarray. Right, and they were arguing like 1960s Avengers, mm-hmm. um, and that was part of the the buildup of the series. Was they were able to put aside their differences and learn to act as a team, mm-hmm. actually work together. Right, and you knew that was going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we had said that. If that does not happen, then it's going to be a crappy series. Right. But they so, did. They, they they worked well together, and and they divided they divided the teams up into the characters that do work well together. Right. And what we what we ended up having was we had um, Ray and Heatwave. They became like. They are, they are the odd couple of the series. Right. They, they well, really are. I and mean, they've gotten I mean, really close <laughs> after the Russian prison. I think Ray taking the shot, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, uh, anyway, in the prison was, yeah. He just, yeah, he, he, he took the shot. Um, he also, um, when Rory was about to be tortured by the Russians, he's piped up and he's like, "Hey," starts starts talking shit to the Russians, and I think everybody witnessed that. And Ray really developed into this this really selfless kind of guy. Is there is there specifically to be helping people? 
And, you know, that's the whole reason he took the mission on. And he really developed into his own right as a hero. Well, yes. And, and I mean, it's one of the things we had said was that uh, they had gotten Ray wrong. Um, and I think towards the end of the series, they, they got a nice, um, I, I won't say, well, the, the, the Adam's complicated because towards the end of his career as the Adam Ray Palmer, he didn't want to be a hero anymore. He just wanted to be a scientist. Right. But uh, certainly when he was in the Justice League and did a lot of his work with Flash and Green Arrow, um, he, he was, they got that part of his character correct. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and it was really the first opportunity that a lot of these characters had to grow outside of um, Flash their respective shows. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ray Palmer was like third string character on, on Arrow for what, two years? Yeah. And he got, he got the chance to be on Legends of Tomorrow. He got, got the opportunity to really shine. Um, same with Mick and Rory. I mean, they were standout characters on The Flash, but they really got into their own when they're interacting with these people every, pretty much every episode. Uh, we see uh, Rory and Flash. I think there's only like one or two episodes where Rory is gone. Right in the middle. Um, right, right in the middle. Uh, we got to see, you know, how cold Captain Cold is. You know, he froze his own hand with his cold gun to get out of the handcuffs. I know, that was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it, it was from the beginning of the show, and it was awkward. It was, you know, it seemed like too many characters. Uh, they, over the course of the season, they broke up the team in certain ways with interesting character dynamics. Um, you know, you had Jackson Stein. They were already a, a self-contained unit. And you got to see them grow into partners. Right. That actually, you know, from from an old guy and a young guy who were arguing with each other all the time. Right. And forced into a situation, they grew into a team that actually gave a damn about each other. Mm-hmm. And that actually became a made their major story arc was one looking out for the other one. Right. You really got to see that in the Russian episode. Yeah. Yep. Where it, it they didn't even merge for that particular thing. It was all, you know, I know you're in there. You know, you can fight this. Right. Gray. And, you know, Jax, uh, toward the end of the series, getting poisoned by the temporal energy. Mm-hmm. And Stein giving away their only means of escape to cure him. Right, and and risking his own life because without Jack Stein will die. Right, exactly. And you know, even even then, you got interesting interactions between the villain characters and and Stein. You know, it's like Jax was sick. I sent him back in time to cure him, and Heatwave and Captain Cold were both like, "Okay, yeah, it, it got, I'm, I'm down with that. That that good idea." Guess we got to fight now. <laughs> I think the, the big growth in that was with Heatwave. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think from the beginning, Snart felt that they were his crew. Right. And he would have done anything for anybody on the crew, whether he liked them or not. Right. Because um, he's a he's a he's got he's a thief with honor. Right. And I think but Rory after he um, came back after his betrayal mm-hmm. um, and seeing his younger self, I think that yeah, that was, that was a, big, a big turning point. Yeah, that was a big change for him. Was was actually interacting with his younger self. He was the only character other than Sarah who did interact with his younger self, right? And. He pretty much changed his own fate, right? By by telling his younger self not to, you know, not to fuck all this up, And yeah, so you, you had you had that aspect. You had uh, you know the bounty hunter going after the parents, which we get to see young Rip Hunter. Yeah, in that episode, that was that was clever. Because Rip Hunter, you know, Rip Hunter himself started out as this like you know, kind of enigmatic character. Didn't look like he was going to be much or do much other than be the guy sitting in the chair going, "You go there, you go there." Right. And we got to learn a lot about him as a character, mm-hmm. um, both how he came up as a as a time master and how he was raised. And you know, in the Jonah Hex episode. You know, we find out why he tries to stay so distant from everybody mm-hmm. because he actually does give a shit about protecting the timeline and helping innocence along the way. Except he fucked it up in in uh, Jonah Hex's quest for vengeance against uh, Turnbull. Right. So yeah, I mean, we, and he's a damn good shot with that fucking revolver. <laughs> <laughs> I like that revolver. I thought it was cheesy at first, but it grew on me. It grew on you because for some reason it fit the character. And Arthur Darvel has this way of standing when he's Rip Hunter that's just really odd because he has that 1950s leather jacket on, but he's got the duster on top and he's got the low slung holster with his laser revolver. And he's always like slouching like this. He's got his shoulders pulled way up. And it's like like he's been kicked and he's been defeated the whole time. But he, and you, but he has been. Right. And you but yet you see him in the old west and he stands he stands up straight when he's in that gunfight. And you know, it's the quick draw thing, and he just whips the duster back. Owns the guy easily. Now, here's the question: At what point did you realize that the Time Masters were in league with Savage? Um, that one I kind of figured out initially when they did the reveal of Rory as being Kronos. You know, something's up with the Time Masters. They have to be in league with Savage since. The team is constantly swimming through shit. Savage is always one step ahead of them. Right. Even though they supposedly have the drop on. 
And, you know, I, I, yeah, just that sense of betrayal, you know, to, but that didn't, you know, knowing that the Time Masters had something to do with the whole thing did not really soften the blow of the betrayal when he finally gets Savage to the Time Masters and they say, you know, you're under arrest. And they arrest him and they arrest the rest of the team except for Sarah and Cole. And, uh, you know, they send Savage back to his own time. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was a bit of a thing. One of the things that gets me is that, you know, usually in these shows, the team is always uh, stronger. They have better equipment, better technology, stuff like that by the end of the season. On, at the end of this season, the team is actually weaker. Right. Because they no longer have the ability to monitor the timeline. They destroyed that. Um, most of the team has left. Cold is dead. Uh, the Hawks leave on their own volition. So you're left with Ray, Rory, Sarah, and and fire and the Firestorm team. And that and that's it. I mean, a lot of the glue that held the team together is gone now. Except, yeah. you know, except for Rip. We got our, our man. Right. Right, which that was the big reveal in the season finale. Is he comes out of the time, time ship and it's our man in costume. You know, telling him that, you know, don't get back on the Rave Rider. If you, you know, value the future or something like that. Now, that's... That was a tease of season two. What do you expect out of season two? Um, I, I, I'm hoping that we'll see more of the real Jay Garrett mm-hmm. um, as, as a Flash character. Okay. Um, obviously, we get Vixen. We know. Uh, actually, what we get is we get we Vixen's get, grandmother. Well, we but get we, the user of the animal. Right. Which is which is also an interesting idea to go along because uh, the actress that play who plays Vixen um, actually had other engagements when right. Legends of Tomorrow was filming, so they said, "Well, we'll what we'll do is we'll go back and we'll get Mari's grandmother." It was very nice of them to make that concession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of just cutting the character out completely, right? It's still open for. You know, two generations of the totem holders to to interact. Right. Uh, I'd like to see. I'd like to see a Earth Two JSA mm-hmm. storyline. Um, I read that the the new Big Bad will make Vandal Savage look like a Boy Scout. Wow. Who could that possibly be? The, the Monitor, Anti Monitor. Could be. I guess they can do dark side, but I think they would probably save dark side for the movies, right? I mean, okay, this is this is what we this is what we know so far. Um, we know that all four series, because Supergirl has joined the continuity, there she'll be on Mondays on CW, right? Um, that the crossover 
mid uh, mid season will feature all four shows. Right. Um, we know that Superman has been cast as a regular character on Supergirl. Uh, we know that uh, Wally West gets a costume this year, which is badass. It is almost 100% comic accurate. It's fantastic looking. The yellow and red. <coughs> it's totally badass. Um, also, Logan also there, is a, there is a black flash suit. I saw that. So what what we're what's happened is that you know we brought this up a few episodes ago. We were talking about the flash. The season finale of Flash set off Flashpoint. Um, which I think Stephen Amell has confirmed that Flashpoint will ring into Arrow. Well he and he, he's uh, also tweeted a picture said, of himself in a black version of the Arrow suit. He he did say that he jumped the gun with that. But, oh really? Yeah, but Whatever. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. But um, it's also been hinted that Legends of Tomorrow will actually be fighting the Flash hmm. in an episode. So you know, it's it tells me that that overall, flat that that one scene in the Flash season finale is going to reverberate through all of the shows, um, and we might end up getting. Some, someone like the Anti-Monitor or you know, one of these more cosmic level heroes or villains. Uh, who was the guy that was It was Hector Hall? Hector Hammond. He- no, oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh you mean uh, Hawk? When yeah. He became, uh, he became Monarch. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I know. It was kind of a lame, lame thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this villain is was once a hero. And, and it was... Hector Hall. Hector Hall. And everybody's like, who? <laughs> right, Hawk. Because Hawk had been Hawk talking was... about. Well, uh, it's funny because I think in Sandman, they make fun. Wasn't Hector Hall um, one of the Sandman? Like the one in the pajamas? Possibly. And Possibly. they really lay into him in Sandman. Like in one of the early episodes of Sandman. Mm-hmm. So, because Hippolyta Hall um, was Fury, right? And she, Hippolyta, sorry, and she ended up being the uh, the linchpin that destroyed uh, Dream Mm -hmm. and Sandman because Hector Hall, because of Hector Hall, ultimately, right? Yeah. Um. So you you're thinking JSA? I'm thinking JSA. I would like to see that. I mean, we've had Wildcat. Mm-hmm. We've had Jay Garrett. Right now we have uh, Our Man. We don't know if it's Rex Tyler or what. Um, Black Canary. Yep. We and, Earth- and Black Siren. We've had Earth Two. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. So- you know, there Definitely. were also other hints. You know, the Ma Kettle's pot was on board the Wave Rider. Right. So um, you have a bunch of Earth 2 continuity happening in all the shows, except for maybe Supergirl, but that wasn't really part of the whole thing. 
Right, right. And now they have to integrate that. So I'm, I'm sure Flashpoint has something to do with that as well. That's true. Or maybe they are doing a, a version of Crisis on Infinite Earths as well, which merges be, her Earth with ours. Or That would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Maybe, um, they, maybe they cast Superman so that he would be like the uh, Earth, Earth Prime Superboy. Superboy Prime who punches yeah. through dimensions. Yes. And Superman ends up being the big bad on Supergirl on everything. How cool would that be? That would be cool. That would be cool. Maybe maybe he's not Superman. Maybe he's Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And they're just saying he's Superman to get That's people true. to watch. And he's and he's that he's that uh you know, because we had that nod to what in the comics is Earth Three, with uh, the plant, the world where everyone is a villainous version of themselves, right? You know, and we don't, we don't actually, you know, some people I, I've said they say that it's um, actually Earth Two he's talking about, where everyone is a villainous version of themselves. But and that, I can see where that's kind of the case because we didn't really see any any. Earth Two heroes, um, but I think that he's not really talking about Earth Two. I think he's talking about an Earth Three, and that Supergirl was Earth Four. The thing we saw for Earth Two, where mm-hmm. everyone, where all of our the main characters of Flash were villains, right? All the main characters of Flash were villains. Right. They all ended up working for Zoom. Everybody but Barry, right, was more aggressive as a as a personality on that mm-hmm. other. From except Iris. for Iris was more aggressive, but Joe was not. Uh, yes, he was. Remember, he hated he Barry, was, and he, he hated the, he hated he Barry into, like, arguments. Right, he, but he got into arguments with Barry. He didn't he like like with my daughter because. She became a cop because of Barry. I think he was he was a more aggressive personality. I'm not necessarily saying he was. I think the Earth Two Joe is more aggressive than than Earth One Joe. I'm not saying that Earth One Joe was wasn't a go to guy, right? But he but I think that everybody was a little bit more acerbic. Mm-hmm. And except for Barry, and and uh, Deadshot, right? Floyd Lawton being like completely opposite of his usual personality, right? Uh, yeah. Plus, in that episode, we got to hear um, Joe West's actor sing. That's true. I, yeah. I I don't know if that was a purposeful thing or if they just wanted to make the uh, Earth 2 characters distinct from right. the ones that we're used to. And and using using the actors' talents. Right. Because uh, I believe there was a there was a fan video that was released uh, in season one of The Flash where the actors um, for Joe, Cisco and uh, Eddie all sang a song together. Sorry. It was for uh, it was for part of uh, 
uh, Paul Blackthorne's one of Paul Blackthorne's fundraisers that he was doing for uh, like anti poaching foundations, and they sang him a, they sang a song for him, and that the man can sing. He can sing, and it was it was so nice to to actually see him use that talent because there is no there was no uh, reason to include it in the Earth One version. So they just said, "Well, you know what we'll do instead is we'll make an Earth Two version, a, a, a lounge singer instead and, of a cop." And they didn't play it for laughs. No, they didn't play it for laughs. Like it was a serious musician. Batman the animated series when they had Bruce they had Batman sing. No, that was Justice League. Was it Justice League? Yeah, this little uh, piggy. Am I and blue? They, uh, played it for laughs. Am I blue? And it really has nothing to do. It's, it's just the only song that he knew. Right. <laughs> I was on a stakeout. I heard that song every night for three months. <laughs> So, you know, um, any anything else you'd like to see? I mean, we've we've, we've talked about the JSA. We've talked about uh, Vixen making an appearance. Uh, Our man is going to be on. Um, I mean, JSA is going to be filled with Easter eggs as it is. Right. Uh, I, I'll tell you, not from them. I would like to see, and I this is my complaint pretty much about everything. Mm-hmm. Is for the fan community to tone down the bullshit, right? Um, you, I don't read it as much as you do, probably because every time I read that, it just pisses me off to the point where I, I can't read it anymore. Right, it's an aneurysm. But you know, getting these people like uh, there was a lot of uh, the woman who played Hawk Girl, right? You got a lot of shit. Um, her and her character got shit. They were like, "Yeah, it's bad writing. Why does she just kill him?" Right. And, and we addressed that is because you know, up until you know, really three, four days, maybe even a couple of weeks between her uh, part on the Flash Arrow crossover that year and the beginning of Legends of Tomorrow, she was a barista. She says it in. In one of the episodes, when she's getting trained by uh, by Canary, three months ago I was a barista. Yeah, so you know, cut her a break. She's not a superhero, right? She's a and, and barista who just learned she has superpowers. Right and now, and, she's got to go out and save the world. And it's not like she was a a, a dick like uh, Hawkman was. Carter right. Hall is a complete dick. And he would have killed Savage, but she's not like that. So she doesn't have, she hasn't gotten to that point where that's like instinctual to her. Mm-hmm. She's still a decent human being. Right. She's not a killer. And, you know, they they tried to pull the same shit with uh, John Diggle. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, why didn't he just shoot Andy? Because it's his fucking brother, you asshole. Right. I have <laughs> a brother. You have a brother. Yeah. Do you just every you time just, your brother pisses you off? Do you think I'm just going to shoot him? Right. It doesn't matter how many times. I mean, you know that was that was John Diggle's whole arc. 
within right. that storyline is that his brother is evil. And he was trying to give his brother the benefit of the doubt. You know, Why? it's like because John Diggle was a decent human being. Right. And and he's always the decent human being, even though he doesn't believe it currently, because he did shoot his brother. Right. Well and he doesn't he believe he doesn't believe that it was a, a clean and justified shoot. He thought he thinks he's been hanging out with Oliver a lot. And Oliver has been, you know, getting closer and closer and closer to his his no his complete no kill pers- uh, persona, right? And it's rubbing off on John, and he doesn't believe that he needs to kill anybody. Uh, even going as far as yes, he uses guns a lot, but he's using like special rubber bullets. Right. You know, you get the concussive force of a shot, but it doesn't. You know, there's no penetration. There's no and let's face it, it's a TV show. So once a mook is down, a mook is dead. Pretty much. It doesn't really matter how. Plot dictates that the mook get back up and clock and if he, from behind. And if he gets back up, he's usually not a mook. Right. He's usually your brother. <laughs> <laughs> your, your dead brother. <laughs> or something like that. But, you know, yeah, I, I would agree. I You know, Look, if you hate it that much, if you don't know anything about how these things are plotted, how these things are written, don't don't watch it. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, Legends of Tomorrow is one of those shows that we mentioned we we've, we've mentioned several times that because the 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 scope scope of it is so vast, they go back and forth throughout time. That literally any hero can be in this show, mm-hmm. and they're, they they've been proving that by, um, you know, with Jonah Hex being a part of the show, um, you know, and Our that man. was supposed Our Man, and that was supposedly a version of Sergeant Rock that Vandal Savage just like killed for no reason. Or he was definitely a sergeant in World War II. The rumor is is that it was Sergeant Rock, but I can't imagine that Sergeant Rock would go down like that. (laughs) Oh, the other thing about Legends of Tomorrow and fans Mm -hmm. is... And I, I agree they did play fast and loose with time travel. Every show that does time travel. you know what? Go and get a fucking time chair or a time machine mm-hmm. or a time bubble or time anything and go back in time and tell me how it works out for you. Because I personally don't know what would happen because it hasn't happened. So is it nice when there's consistent rules for time travel? Yes. Name one thing. Written, television, whatever that has completely consistent rules for time travel because it doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist. Even within itself, even within its own structure, the masters of time travel, like Philip K. Dick, Mm -hmm. you look at what they actually wrote and try and piece it out, and it doesn't all add up. It doesn't. Right. 
Right. Like um, Doctor Who, for example. Since since we're talking about Legends of Tomorrow, uh, the actor that plays uh, Rip Hunter, Arthur Darvel, was on Doctor Who. Uh, you know, the Time Lord, do- the Doctor, is not supposed to cross his own timeline. However, he's going back and forth across time through 11 different versions of himself. He's crossing his own timeline constantly. He's just not, you know, interfering with his own timeline. Take a look at... at, uh... And nothing ever changes. The, The universe pretty much stays the same tomorrow, even if he goes back in time to yesterday and beats the bad guy, it's still the same world as tomorrow. You know, um, I I would say I would say out of all of it, Legends of Tomorrow probably has the most consistent rules of time travel because they discuss the fact that timelines are fluid and the new timelines take a while to solidify. Where at you know, and which is a plot point in several episodes. Uh, even even Rip Hunter is constantly monitoring the timeline to see if anything they're doing is doing any good, is affecting you know his wife and son's chance of survival. And ultimately, if you watched it, you know what the answer to that is. Right. It is. It is no. It is a fix. yes. We have no bananas. Right. We have no bananas today. And. You know, truthfully, that's that's a that's a really rough thing to put into a superhero show. Yeah, the ultimate goal of one of the characters, like the whole impetus for the show, right, turns out to be a bust. Mm-hmm. It's like I, you know, I'm recruiting you to stop Vandal Savage to save my wife and son, and he has to over the course of the series, especially when he realizes that some points in time have to occur right that you know for him to go back in time and recruit this team you know that really takes over the time master's job since they were corrupted by you know by working with vandal savage you know rip hunter and his team take over the job of policing the timeline right well ultimately and for that to happen his wife and child must die you have to ask yourself, is the hard, I'm air quoting here, science? Mm-hmm. Because, dude, there's no time travel science because it doesn't exist. Right. So I'm using the word hard science. Mm-hmm. But does the internal logic of your time travel or whatever your science fiction-y mumbo-jumbo is, faster than light travel, blah, blah, blah. Is that more important than the story? Right. And it never is. Because if the hardness of the science becomes more important than the story, then you have a shitty story. And why would you waste your time reading a shitty story? Right. Or watching a shitty story. Right. So you can piss and moan as much as you want about the inconsistency of the time the inconsistency of the time travel rules. Or you can watch a good story. Right. And piss and moan about Ghostbusters or something. Right. 
Now, speaking of speaking of inconsistencies in time travel, you got to kind of uh, pull the cheeks out right this and then we can get that. Yeah, but I got I got I have a rubber kind of face, so I can. Inconsistencies in time travel. <laughs> Inconsistencies in time travel and tonic university. Um, speaking of inconsistencies, yeah, we're we're yeah. Speaking of inconsistencies in time travel, you know, we're leading off season three of the Flash with Flashpoint. So, right. If you don't like time travel, yeah, don't watch this. Yeah, go watch something else. Do something else. <laughs> go watch the World Series. So exciting news for me, anyway, is that the CW got the rights to uh, Constantine. Yes, and they, they have do. been offering it streaming on CW Seed. They have. So if you have one of these, right, or you can do it on PC as well. CWSeed.com. You can, uh, you can stream. Stream the entire season of Constantine, and they've reordered the episodes so that they are in the proper order. So the story is consistent. So the story is consistent because there are a couple of episodes that were played out of order. Right. The Halloween. That referenced the Halloween episode um, and the episode with um, John rescuing Chaz's daughter from Felix Faust. Right. That was a great that was that was a fantastic episode. That was the only one that I hadn't seen all the way through, and I went back and watched it. As good as the one where he uh, with the record. The one with oh the the devil's vinyl. Yeah, where he puts on the headphones and blasts the yeah. sex pistol. Give me some juice, Johnny. <laughs> um, I'm a sucker for rock and roll. Now, here's here's the thing about the devil's vinyl, right? We've we've bitched a lot about David Goyer. In the past, uh, he was the the man. He's hit and miss with with the films that he's written. Uh, most recent miss was Batman versus Superman. Right. That episode is written by David Goyer. Really? Yes. David Goyer was an EP on Constantine. Interesting. And he wrote that episode. Hmm. I wonder why that is. The only episode he wrote happens to be one of the better episodes. Best episode of the series. And also well, happens to be a takeoff of Southern Gods. But I've said that before. But yeah, um, I think CW is testing the waters. Uh, since we know that streaming, they count streaming, especially on their streaming-only service. Uh, I think they are testing the waters. Uh, to bring John Constantine to the CW universe. Um, his appearance on Arrow was the highest rated Arrow ever. The most watched episode. And it was one of the better episodes of Arrow. At the very least, they can make him a regular part of the Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's they, they wrote in John Constantine for that one episode. Matt Ryan reprised the role for one episode. But John Constantine was constantly behind the scenes oh, throughout yeah, the rest of the season. Why don't you just get your, your pal Constantine to, to take care of him? Right. Or he's in and, hell. Oh, he's in hell. You know, I would call him and ask him, but he, he's in hell. Literally. Oh, it can't be that bad. 
No, literally. <laughs> in hell. <laughs> you know, and, and like three episodes later, John finally got out of hell, sent me a list of people to contact. Right. Like, damn, motherfucker. He's pulling, he was, you know, he's he being was, John uh, Constantine. He's pulling he was the string. NPC to have, have uh, in your bag of tricks. Right. For that show. And I and I think CW is is testing the waters to bring that character back in some form. So, if you're watching the show, if you're listening to the podcast, and you were a fan of the NBC series Constantine, a uh, fan of Hellblazer or whatever, go to CW Seed, stream the entire season. I don't care how many times you've seen it. You know, you might have caught it on El Ray when El Ray was syndicating it. You know what you can do is uh, now the CW allows uh, autoplay. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you, you plug in your phone, so it's charged. It's yep. charging. Start in episode one. Start in episode one. Put it in a place where it's not going to bother anybody. Go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Wake up the next morning, eight hours later. That's eight episodes you watched. Yep. Eight episodes in the books. In the books. Tagged. Um, also, you know, it's, it's the same strategy that... Um, Denny and Tim are doing on uh, Young, Young Justice. Justice. Yep. Stream it as stream it as much as you can on uh, Netflix. Netflix looks at the numbers and says, "Okay, yeah, we're going to bring this show back for a third season." Right. Um, and I think it's the same thing with Constantine. CW is looking at the streaming numbers. If there's enough interest in the show, because they're doing this two two years after the show aired, so they're they're gauging interest over time if it was right. just you know all of the fan outcry was because it was still new and it was a good show and they or did if, and then they ended it I mean, they abruptly clip hang, they clip on that thing mm-hmm. yeah they revealed manny as being the big bad of the entire season and then they that in the last episode and you know john gets a new trench coat and they actually show him smoking a cigarette they just like said fuck you <laughs> This is the last episode. We're going to do everything with it. Uh, you told us not to do. Man, why not? It was there twenty one twelve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, do that. Um, season two uh, of Legends of Tomorrow starts in October. They're actually giving it a full season this year, which is fantastic. Um, honestly, yeah. um, of before. It was probably my second favorite. Second favorite, um, because you know, Flash, Jay Garrick. I mean, yeah, Flash was Flash was just fantastic. Right. I didn't think they could top the first season, but they they really they did. They outdid themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's only getting bigger. Yeah, and I really like Supergirl, but not quite as much as Legends of Tomorrow. I did not like, I won't say I hated, but I didn't like the last season of Arrow in comparison. Right, right. Um, Just dark. I didn't think he was a great fit for Arrow. Yeah, he wasn't a great fit for Arrow. He would have been a great Constantine villain. The the portrayal portrayal of Damian Dark was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was great. Um, But, yeah, like an arrowish 
kind of a villain. Yeah, the progression, the, the they they're progressing a little. They progressed a little too fast getting into the Fantastic World right. with Arrow, as they started with, you know, grim and gritty, realistic, almost you know, techno thriller type of thing. Then they went into integrating uh, chemically altered humans with Deathstroke. Then they went into actual superhumans and the League of Assassins. And then they went into, uh, they just went full on into magic. Right. You know, yeah. It's a great, you know, yeah. And and really Arrow is kind of the testing bed for a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much all, most of the characters that we see um, were tested out on Arrow first. Or at least Um, the, the... The main characters, anyway, right. except for except for the Hawks, um, the you know, Hawkman, Hawkwoman were well actually introduced on the Flash. Well, you had a uh, Firestorm was Flash, right? Firestorm was Flash. Captain Cold was Flash. Well, um, Flash was introduced on Arrow, right? Flash well, least, and well, Barry Allen know. himself and Barry Allen's origin was introduced on Arrow, right? Um, so they did the backdoor pilot that way, right. and not Supergirl. Obviously. And not Supergirl. They they brought her in with uh, they brought the Flash into Supergirl. Um, yeah, and I actually I can't wait to see you know because I know that there will be some tonal differences in Supergirl. Uh, just yeah, given that you know they're filming in Vancouver now, so the you know the lighting is definitely going to be different than Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Um. And and you know they have to they have to change up a few things to to bring it more into line, but I think we're going to get another show that is similar in tone to the Flash, may possibly even brighter than the Flash. Yeah, that the 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 thing about Supergirl was that it was kind of like the odd one out, um, not only because it was NBC or CBS or CBS, sorry. Um, but because it was like the color palette, we, we had talked about the color palette of Flash being brighter. Mm-hmm. This was like again, and right, so. right. It was the next step up from the Flash. Legends of Tomorrow had a, a color palette that was totally a step up from the Flash as well, and then Supergirl was a step up from Legends of Tomorrow. Right, but that was, but even that was like a few steps. That was really bright. Right. But yeah, we got we got the comic accurate almost firestorm suit in that show. Yeah, uh, we got we got a very good Jonah Hex costume. Okay. Um, you know the Hour Man costume looks interesting. Uh huh. Very similar to to his uh, JSA incarnation. We got a little more one. little more armor. But the you know, Canary is like I. I guess an, a goth dream <laughs> in terms of costume. Eh, I guess you know it's got you know it's got like the waistcoat vest that comes yeah. up to the neck and the great coat over that. It's it, you know kind of it's very bloodborne, right? But it's very, it seems to be very practical because with the coat on, she's almost completely armored. Right. And she is a melee character. She is. They, you know, know, back to Legends, they really balanced out the roles that they had 
people doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Jefferson Jackson will never be able to go back to working as a mechanic. No, he works on time ships now. No, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> dude, you're overqualified for this job. The carburetors, fuck, I could, I've worked on now Doc Brown's personal drives. One point twenty one gigawatts. Brown, you're a fool. <laughs> yeah, and I liked, I liked that. I liked how characters were picking up skills. Uh, you know, Jefferson Jackson. You know, he was he was able to come into his own. I read and the manual. <laughs> while yeah, while Stein and Palmer understand the theory of it, Jackson read the manual. He can actually get in there and work on it. Right. He can. He can fix it. Right. He can fix it. And you know, you tell him what needs to be fixed, and he just goes back and fixes it. Ray Palmer is kind of in the middle, and Martin Stein is pure theorist. Right. And yeah. And you're right. The roles balanced out really well as each character started coming into their own. Um, you know, uh, Kendra ended up having like this real knack for first aid. Mm -hmm. So she picked up a few levels in first aid. Um, you know, Jackson, you know, became like the ship's engineer along with Ray Palmer, Ray Palmer, you know, but also Ray Palmer taking on more of a combat role. Well, Palmer was more of a of a practical engineer, I guess. Right. More of a uh, he's, he's he's like Cisco. He's a mechanical engineer by yeah, trade, he, I believe. Yeah, he's he's more like an architect, mm -hmm. where he can design things like the atom suit, right, and put put these insane theories and make a practical use out of them. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, Jax can take something that he's built and figure out how to make it work. Right. And probably better than Palmer could. Right. With what he has on hand. Right. So yeah, he's a mechanic, but his, what he can, what he can do, the skills of a mechanic on have increased. Right. Um, so yeah, and you have that, and then you have uh, Sarah, who's 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 you know the melee character. There's always a melee character, but she's also she has taken on a leadership role, a tactical role. She gained the skill of being able to pilot a time ship. Um. You know, but she's also she's also in a lot of respects she's become the heart of the team. That you know it's in, in that irony that she's a trained killer. That's why she was recruited. But when it comes down to it, a lot of times Sarah Lance is the the moral compass. You know, if they're drifting off, started in Russia as well. Yeah. And she's also solidified in the fifties. Mm -hmm. You know, she becomes she becomes. Uh, it's like Rip Hunter has two second in commands. Captain Cold became his second in command. But Captain Cold's more like the. He's a tactician. Doing, you're doing it wrong. We're going to do it this way. Right. So he's like he's like the the he's the, the wild card. He's right. the wild. Card. He's the wild card. 
but he's also yeah. a strategist and a tactician. Right. Well, he's not a dumb wild card. Right. And then but, Sarah. Uh, so he's the guy that says, I've got a plan. But right. you don't know what it is. Right. <laughs> Just follow my lead. He's, he's, the, he's the Rodney. <laughs> whereas whereas uh, Sarah is, okay, Rip's plan is going tits up, but we can still make it work. Right. We just have to do this, this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But she's also she's also um, Rip's confidant. Right. Well, I think that's because Rip originally had her there to do the things that were unsavory. Right. You notice and, that when in Russia, when they wanted to kill, when the option to kill Stein was on the table, mm-hmm. he didn't go to to cold. Right. I thought cold was the one that told her not to take the shot. Exactly. Cold told her not to take the shot. Right. And she didn't take the shot. Right. Not Hunter, that she wanted to. Hunter went to her because he, but he knew that whether or not she wanted to, she would do it to get the job done. Because right. that's what had it. That's how it works. And right. I think Cold was able to to let her know that okay, there's more than one way to do this. Right. Because Cold is not a killer. Right. Even though when he got to the old west, he became a killer. And and demonstrated that he's quite good at it. <laughs> He drew first. It was a clean shoot. None of them are killers, but... Right. Until, you know, the mooks that he freezes drop off left and right. I guess henchmen don't count. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, they're wasting dudes left and right. But he's not, like, really freezing them. It's more of he's shooting them with the cold gun, and it's, like, more of a concussive force. Right. And same thing with heat wave. You know, right. shoots them with the heat gun Those and they fall over. Dying. They don't burn. Those guys aren't dying. You know, whatever. <laughs> none of, those, none of the, the mooks are dying. They're mooks. Right. They just get taken out of action. Right. How many people did Firestorm kill? Because every one of those little blasts is a tiny nuclear bomb. <laughs> but... Yeah, so we got to see we got to see Sarah evolve into, you know, she's she is now the uh, outside of Rip. She's now the de facto leader. Yeah, Snart would be, but you know, he's dead. He had to do prison break. Right. Speaking of speaking of prison break, what did you think about the sequence where Rory is trying to like go back to his life of crime on his own? And he's he his job goes tits up, and waiting for him in the car is Ray. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, Ray turned out. I thought that Ray. This is my biggest um, blunder, I guess, from the first episode. Was I thought they were going to do Ray wrong the entire time, right? And uh, Ray turned out to be a stand-up guy. Yeah, and he did. And you know, it all all about he's all about the fucking, you know, the truth and justice and he's the Boy Scout hero. You know, yeah, but he, he's, if it's 
if it's if it comes down to a matter of okay, someone on the team has to die. Ray's like, I'll do it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but just it, the fact that he took that beating for uh, Mick when Mick let him get beat up, get the mm-hmm. crap beat out of him in the yard to take to learn a lesson to teach him a lesson. Right, and when he wanted to teach him a lesson about standing up for other people, like you right. don't do that. But no, he took that beating, came back for some more. It's like, okay, giant robot. Okay, I, I can reverse the nanites in the suit to make myself bigger. But that might kill you. Yeah, whatever. Click. <laughs> yeah, the way to fight a giant robot when you're the atom is to go really tiny. Yeah, but you and know. go in and then pull it all apart. Right. But it was like, okay, we have we have, you know, five hundred bucks for this special effect. Do we want to have, you know, the atom flying through the superstructure of this robot, or do we want to have just a really big atom? I want to see him fly through the superstructure of the robot. Yeah. I don't I'm not a big fan of giant, slow moving fights because, you know, when things are that big uh, in film and TV, they have to be slow. Yeah. Because, you know, they have to show how big they are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. So, yeah. Looking forward to season two. Yes. Um, looking, looking forward to all of the DC shows this year. Uh, I, I want to see how they integrate this universe. Mm-hmm. I want to see how they're linking everything together. I'm very pissed that they're not going to be on Hulu. They're not going to be on Hulu? Hulu they're lost it? Be. They signed an exclusive deal with Netflix. Really? As soon as the season is over, they will put the season up on Netflix. Right. So is 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 season... When were they expecting season two... They're not up yet. Season four, <laughs> season one. Netflix is going to be the place to be for superheroes, though. Uh, yep. As that, you have oh, also, also, I believe, I believe it's beginning either this Monday or the next Monday. CW is replaying season one of Supergirl on on television. Yeah. So uh, if you missed it on CBS, now you can watch it on CW. Netflix is going to have all these shows. Mm-hmm. All the Marvel shows. Right, because they have the deal with Marvel to produce the originals. Oh, and then they have the deal with Disney to show all new Disney movies. We'll be on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Who owns Disney? Or who owns Marvel? Disney. But who also owns Star Wars? Disney. Boom. Netflix just, Netflix just went bank. Yeah, net. Well, I mean, Netflix's Netflix's deal with Star Wars started when they became the um, the exclusive place to get the unaired episodes of Clone Wars season six. Still haven't seen your show on there. Rebels. Rebels is not on there. Yeah, Rebels is not on there, and they're getting ready to start season three. Which is which is interesting. I've seen clips of it. Uh, my my boy, my boy Kanan is not anywhere to be found on this in that clip. But Hondo is on Netflix, man. 
Netflix, they, they are they are a powerhouse now, a definite powerhouse. <coughs> so yeah, um, what's coming up? As oh, usual, well, it's you week, and me, and we've gone we've gone over an hour. Yes. Uh, well, next week is moving and wedding for me. So oh, that's right. That we are off next week. So yeah. next next week, next you week guys play D and D or something. Um. Yeah, so we're off next week. Uh, the following week, we'll be starting uh, Swords versus Cthulhu. Yes, more uh, Grimdark. Not so far, it's been okay. More, more of the um, more of the high high adventure type of stuff. I haven't read so, it yet. Um, I was taking your advice from uh, and 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 clear cleans cleansing the palate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I read uh, a bunch of Charles Ashton Smith instead. <laughs> Little Clark Ashton Smith. Well, Clark okay. Ashton Smith gets a name drop in the uh, introduction to Sword versus Cthulhu. So. That's cool. I he got a couple of he got a, his props in Urban Temples, so I wanted to read some. Read some. Yeah, the man. The man is definitely a bit of a poet in regards to that. Yeah, he's definitely a, a better wordsmith than Howard. Some other. Yeah. Howie weird fiction authors who apparently you can't say anything bad about or everybody gets mad at you. Well, you know. Clark knows the definition of the word terse. That's true. <laughs> um, that was funny. That- yeah, I've, I've, I've read a little bit. I, I've read a little bit trying to get ahead. Um, you know, I'm into uh, the first story, I, I believe, is Langan's story. And, you know, very, very Conan, very Red Sonia like story. I, read, I started reading that one and yeah, I thought it was very Red Sonia-ish. Um, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to digging into this book. Uh, in between, I actually read uh, a comic called Limbo. I saw that. You posted that. Yeah, which I'm going to do a review of for the for the blog since we have to do that for NetGalley. Bring that uh, percentage rating up. Uh, also, I, I picked up um, the Dirk Gently book. <laughs> The, the shortest spoon, I believe it is. So I'll be doing a review of, of Dirk Gently book. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing we'll be doing Swords versus Cthulhu. Um, I sent you guys a link to an anime series on YouTube from an independent creator that uh, we should take a look at. Okay, I think so. Uh, the artwork is really well. If you. Well, we have never done a show on anime. That's true. I tried to get you right, and 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 I, I've watched part of the first part of the first episode, and the art style is is good. Uh, I have to watch the rest of the story, but it deals with a superhero who has some control over time. So, an interesting premise. Um, let's see. Don't know what the fungi are up to. Yeah, the fun guy will be back. I believe Leo will be running a game this time around. So James will be taking taking a player role, and Leo will be stepping up into the keeper's chair. But they'll Lots be back. Coffee drinking, bistro scenes, and <laughs> lots of uh, lots of porn. Yeah. Speaking of porn, Monday we'll probably be doing Eclipse phase. Uh, yeah, Eclipse phase or. No. If Wes needs a week, another week, we'll do the um, the Michael oh, Light the dungeon crawl. crawl. Yeah, we'll right. go back. 
In fact, let's do that. We'll go back into the dungeon crawl Monday. Okay. And give Wes another week for Eclipse Space. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Monday we'll be doing uh, Microlight D20 Dungeon Crawl. Uh, Rodney kills everyone, basically, or attempts to kill everyone. We're all still alive. Barely. Despite your door's best efforts. Right, despite it, every door was we're, a trap. We're, we're fine with the skeletons. It's the damn doors. The damn doors. Um, yeah, so Monday we'll be doing the Microlight D20 Dungeon Crawl. Uh Friday will be the return of Fungi, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Leo will be taking over GM role. And next Saturday, Microphones of Madness will be off. We're having a bye week. And we'll return the following Saturday, starting our read-through and review of Swords versus Cthulhu. So, until then, say goodnight, Gracie. Gracie. Yeah, it's no fun with just the two of us, is it? I know. Stay All frosty. Right. Keep it frosty. This isn't my first prison break. Yes. Best line in the whole series. Yep. Good night, everybody.